Welcome to another episode of the Founders Lounge, where I talk to founders of various businesses to share their stories, learn their lessons, and hopefully inspire some more people to start their own business. In today's episode, my guest is Ryan McDade. He's a very good friend of mine. We're actually living together for about two years or so here in London. And he has a very interesting story. So his first business was actually doing, uh, creating fake IDs, which disclaimer is illegal and you should not do that. But he tells the whole story. It's interesting. There are numerous lessons that he took away from that. And then after that, he went on to start a obviously much more legitimate business in the phones industry. And that went on to being very successful. And they were doing around 10 million in revenue towards the end. And then he decided to take a back seat focus on some other things. So his, his business is still running, but he's now focused on other things. Uh, he's in the property business for the last few years. So we talked about that as well. And we talked about a bunch of other lessons that he learned along the way. So I hope you're going to enjoy it. And if you do, and if you want to hear more stories like this, that's a good time to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, wherever it is that you like to listen to your podcasts. Now enjoy the episode. All right, Ryan, finally, after a few months, welcome to the Founders Lounge. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Absolutely a pleasure. So, Ryan, you are now one of my closest friends currently, and you know, you're coming to my wedding. We've lived together for like two years or so. Um, and I was thinking before we started recording, I was thinking about how we met, and I think that that's a cool story as well. We should talk about... We met at this place called Startup Home, which I hope we get to talk about because I think it's a really cool concept and I'd love to talk a little bit more about it. Um, and I remember the first night when we met and we, I remember, I, I think we spent, we were like talking until, I don't know, 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m. maybe just talking about life and business. And it's really, I, I still remember that night. And one thing that I'll never forget is how I kept talking about my own business adventures. And that was soon after I moved from Switzerland to London, I think. And in Switzerland, I had a startup and we raised half a million in funding. And that was like interesting. And I guess I was quite proud of it. And, you know, I talked about it and you seemed really impressed. And I didn't know at that point that you build a business in Ireland, which was way more successful than that. I was doing like 10 million or so in revenue, which we're going to talk about as well. Um, and I only learned about that later. And I was like, wow, okay, that's way more than I've ever achieved business-wise, right? Um, so <laughs> I guess that's a little bit of a teaser for everyone who's listening for, <laughs> for what we will eventually get to talk about. Um, but it's a pleasure to have you here and to finally talk about your story and to share your story. And I thought we could start with how your business life kind of started. Your first, your first business ventures, uh, what was that? If you can share a little bit and then we'll get to the other bigger businesses afterwards. Cool, cool, cool. So again, thanks for having me. Um, so yeah, um, Great, finally, to come on. I know you've asked me before, but do be nervous with these kind of things. But, um, yeah, so I think for me, going back to, like, my first ventures was, like, in secondary school or high school where you, the students come together and have, like, a, a trade fair, trade show for, like, a one-day event where everyone gets to come with their ideas and, and sell whatever it is. And 
on that day I came with um with two games and it was basically like you play to have a go and then whoever gets the highest score would win a prize at the end of the day and the prize was like 50 euro or something like that and that was kind of like my first taste and I made you know a few hundred on the day and then to top it off um also won the event which was not expected at all and then that was like another 500 so I came home a happy happy boy that day and uh, that was like my first real taste and I was around the age of maybe I think maybe 14 15 so so that was fun um and then it le- what led on to was the which which would probably be my first business in a sense of um making money on on a sustainable level well, but but not legal was um selling <laughs> fake IDs All right, before we continue, I want to take a second to talk about our sponsor. I've always been saying that one of the best ways to learn about business is by working closely with a smart and successful entrepreneur. And this might be your opportunity. Our sponsor is a company called JudgeMe. JudgeMe is a Shopify product review plugin. And they're the number one plugin on Shopify. They're literally, if you look at the Shopify app store, they're in the first spot. They're bootstrapped and they managed to outcompete other companies that raised hundreds of millions of dollars by just being smarter and building a better product. They were started by PJ, who was also a guest on the Founders Lounge, episode 54, so I recommend you to check it out. They recently moved their headquarters to London and they're looking for smart people to join them. They're looking for product managers, engineers, and they're looking to fill other roles as well. So check out careers.judge.me and see if you find any role that you like and apply. So that's careers.judge.me. Now enjoy the rest of the episode. So yeah, yeah. Disc- disclaimer: don't do this at home. Uh, if you don't it's, want to get in trouble, which you did a little bit, but I think it's a funny story. The whole thing. So yeah, yeah. So so don't don't don't. I do not advise anyone to do this because you're playing with the law. So yeah, um, that was. I was 16 at the time. I was 15. Before, I knew I was going to do it because it was waiting hard to get my like my own driver license so you can get your provisional driving license at 16. I had already started playing with other people's um, licenses at the age of 15 um, just to get an idea. But then when I got my own, I was like, right, okay, I'm going to try, try this out now and see how I get on. And so I got my provisional, made a fake driving license, an Irish driving license. And um, then that, I brought it into school to, to show my friends. And then, of course, everyone's like, oh, I want one, I want one, I want one. And and then, then it just blew up. So that was when I was 16. So it would have been in, I think, fourth year, which was my second last year. And, yeah, I just started selling them for, like, 25 euro. And then as time went on, I started charging more. And, and then that was fourth year. And then into fifth year. And, and I was making... I was making a good wage. I was happy. I I had a summertime job as well. And then I was making these in the evening. And, and while I was at school, this went right through into fifth year. And it was busy. Um, and, <laughs> I you know, it spread from in my, my in my local area. Then there's like other schools that in the town. And then it just, it the word spreads. And I was making them then from the ages of 16, 17. And, I was making a significant amount of money. I was happy with it. I had a job as well as earning with that. So I had a good income. And 
and then I was I turned eighteen, and 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 then I was just like the the interest had kind of gone away from it, and and then like nineteen, I was still being asked for them, but I, my heart wasn't in it. But I was still, I was still making them, and eventually, then I think, you know, it was probably going to catch up with me someday. You know, I I was still doing these, and um, but that's what happened. Then someone got caught. They told the Garda, which is the Irish police, and then the Garda came to my home, which is my parents' home, and they came with a search warrant and raided the house to find my computer. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's when we had to shut down the business. <laughs> yeah, un- unfortunately, um, closed was on the door then. <laughs> And if I remember correctly, even still years later, you were still getting some inquiries, right? Yeah, like as recent <laughs> as two years ago, I, I still get people still message me like, do you still make fake IDs? I'm like, but this is people who are looking for like driving licenses who don't have a driving license to drive on their own, where I was just making them for for me and my friends and all the kids who were 16 and 17 who just wanted to get into over 18 clubs that's all yeah, it was yeah. like I, I wasn't trying to evade the law as such just for ourselves you know so it sounds like there are a few lessons there so you've clearly kind of learned a lesson about word of mouth and branding because you had a strong brand there and that's you know that was your whole your main marketing channel i suppose <laughs> yeah <laughs> and word of mouth yeah yeah sorry no, yeah, probably a bunch of other lessons. I mean, maybe even how, I guess it's fine to be a little bit cheeky sometimes, especially in the beginnings when you're starting something. I, that that's was certainly one of my takeaways from you know this story and some of the other stories that we talked about in the past. Um, do, do you think there are any other lessons that you took from? Well, maybe also don't do illegal things. I guess <laughs> <laughs> were there any lessons, other lessons that you took from that, um, and you know then applied or the kind of effect uh, influence how you did business in after that i think for me it was um when you have a product that works then people are going to buy it you know so Mm. my first experience in that was i made them they worked people told everyone and it just kept going and going and going and going and going um and that was probably the biggest lesson that i learned from it um but i also learned from it that it's not really what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, but I was like so stuck in it that I, I felt like I couldn't say no. So like I didn't mm-hmm. want to do it anymore at the age of 18 or 19, but but I did it anyway, you know? So, um, yeah, th- that was obviously trying to, trying to keep it on the down low as well. It was a little tricky, you know? And um, I suppose, yeah, you do have to be a little bit cheeky, you know? The law is there for a reason, and it's a guideline to keep everyone safe and to keep every everything within a structure. But also, like, if you're not truly hurting anyone, if you're not going out to, like, do damage to people or, you know, steal from people or anything like that, then I, I'm not saying to go break the law, but I'm just like, the law is a guideline and follow it. But also, there is times in business where, you know, you're going to take chances, and and I think that's normal for everything in business at the start when you're trying to get going, you know? Mm. 
It's such an interesting topic. And honestly, that's one thing that I've learned from you because we had, you know, we had those kind of conversations and, you know, there's this, the, the, I, uh, the fake ID business, but also like other things. And I've, and I've had other guests, even just the last episode, right. Um, was a really interesting guy, Joss, who is in some way, and I told you, he's in some way similar to you. He's very good at just finding opportunities and just kind of innovating or like moving really fast, kind of hustling his way in those early stages of a business, right? And sometimes you're not sure if something you're doing is legal or if it's 100% correct, if you're doing everything according to the rules. But also one thing I've learned is, well, rules change, right? Sometimes the rules are not necessarily 100% right, right? I mean, laws change, regulations change, and then change for a reason. Somebody puts that in place, they don't consider all the different aspects. Regulators make mistakes just like everyone else, um, which is not the way I used to see the world because my worldview, I'm very much, I used to be even more than now, very much, you know, follow the rules, whatever the rules, that's how you need to do it. But I don't know. I think I've changed a little bit over the years. Like, well, sometimes the rules are just stupid. And sometimes, as you said, I mean, it's true. Again, not to say that you should break the, the law. Absolutely not. Don't hurt anyone. Absolutely not. I think you should do things that are, you know, ethical and, you know, you should stick to a certain level of, of ethics and moral. But you do need to be a little bit cheeky, especially in the beginning, especially when you have low scale. You don't, you know, you don't hurt anyone. You just need to figure shit out, basically, right? Yes, for sure. And the law isn't going to be changed until people actually fight the law, whatever that is, you know, and there's even a documentary there about Spotify. You're aware of that story, Do you know, like, no, not, I'm not sure what you mean, you know, with, um, he tried to change the music industry and he had to go against huh. what he, what the law said, you know, and that was to basically bring a streaming platform online and then eventually the laws changed, you know? So it's like, yes, they're there and they're a guideline, but they're just a guideline, you know? Mm. And it's up, it's up to you how you try and navigate that, that rule or whatever that guideline is to your benefit. Yeah. Yeah. Really agree. I, I think it's worth, it's something that's worth thinking about, especially if you're kind of like me who, you know, things that the, 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 law is the only right thing to do. And again, yes, follow the law. Don't hurt anyone. Don't do anything correct, stupid, correct, but correct. also use ethical. your kind of be ethical, uh, but also use your mind, I guess, use your critical mind to think about when something is the right thing to do and sometimes and when it's not moving on. So <laughs> then, okay. So you shut down, the, you shut down your fake ID business and then what's, what came up next then? So yeah, to be honest, I, I was happy about that. I just wanted to move on from that. And um, so I went to college, I studied civil engineering and then in my third year, I exams were going good, et cetera. But so I had, I had an interest in technology and I wanted to buy, buy a mobile phone, which I could buy, but was really expensive. So I always wanted like a SIM free slash unlocked phone where you can just pop any SIM card in, away you go. Because at the time, it was like strictly network locked phones only. And I could buy it, but it was expensive. And I was like, surely there is a cheaper option because the networks are selling these phones for a lot less, but it's locked. I'm like, well, what if I could sell it similar to the networks um, and as in similar price, but unlocked? So that kind of left me thinking and then went on a search 
and to try and find some suppliers who would sell these phones where I could sell them on for a profit and still at a really good price. So that was that. I was in third year in college. And then, so what I did is I found suppliers and then I started advertising them, the devices that were, that were popular at the time. And back then it was like pretty much Nokia. They were big, Mm -hmm. they were the Apple of the day and them and Sony Ericsson, et cetera. So started selling them on this platform called Dundee, which is kind of like eBay Gumtree, which is an Irish, they're an Irish version. It's, it's very popular. It's very simple, easy to use. So for me, it was like, let's go and test it out, sell them on the platform, pre-sell them, see does people have any interest. They put down a deposit, then I would go buy from the supplier and then give them a lead time of like seven to 10 days. And they were happy with that. So I was able to test it out. And then the first week I sold one phone and then second week, maybe three phones. And then it just kind of snowballed from there, which led on to setting up a website to sell them through the website then where people could actually place the orders. So that was like Christmas 09 or something like that there. And then just testing out and then just kept getting busier and busier. Um, It was a market that wasn't penetrated. It was there was no one doing this at the time. So that led on to a lot of people asking about, do you have a store? Do you have a location? And then leading to opening a store in Galway city, September, 2020, which would be over 12 years ago now. So, so that was kind of, Oh, 2010. There we go. (laughs) So a long time ago. And um, yeah, well, what seems a long time ago, but wasn't that long actually. So that was like, getting it from the ground to actually a physical getting off the ground to a physical store mm-hmm. so which is interesting we've talked about that in the past because i'm just i'm a very digital guy right so anything that everything's very much online for me and remote and just digital yeah so physical store is like it's a commitment and it's like an expense and you need to set it all up. And I think even most of the people that I've had on the podcast, they were more digital. They had an office. So, you know, most of the guests, they, they, I guess most of them had an office, but the products, um, even if they sell physical products, they would usually be e-commerce founders, right? So they don't actually have a store. How was that experience for you? For me, it's, it's, it's kind of a big deal in my eyes. You're like, whatever, 20 years old, um, you know, opening a store, there's an investment, I guess, like a significant investment required as well. Yeah, yeah. So at this time then, um, I went into business with someone. So we kind of had a good team in the sense of business because he had worked in retail. And mm-hmm. obviously, I kind of had started to develop the knowledge of the phone game, which I had a huge interest in anyway. So I, ca- I kind of enjoyed it, you know. So that definitely took off like a a huge weight off me being able to spread that workload um with experience and yeah it it just it just kind of rolled it was tough at the start there was a investment fortunately there was already a phone shop in the unit that we had taken so we didn't have to spend that much money to to kind of make it like a phone shop we just kind of put new graphics on saving as much money as we could without like literally just new stickers that's all it was. We kept uh-huh. all the fixtures and fittings. 
we bought a lot of dummy phones, um, kept all the phones secure in a in a press at the back. So we were we managed to get it off the ground pretty smoothly. The biggest investment at the start was the rent. Like that was a huge amount to me because like whoa, that's a lot of money at the start having to invest that much. And um, and that it took it took a few years to to, to get to kind of get it going. You know, at the start it was like. It was selling new phones only, and the profit on new phones wasn't much. It was like because you were competing with the networks who were subsidizing their phones so that mm-hmm. they get you on your contract, whereas we're trying to sell a phone with a profit only. So the first few years were tough, but it was all about building the brand, giving exceptional customer service. Like that is what we we pride ourselves on. Was like giving superior customer service and in that personal touch because people do like that in retail um whereas like they're coming in and they're meeting the owner and chatting to the owner and you know we all like that and with the networks you don't get that because it's that multinational feeling you know so that was definitely a huge benefit for us and there was so many other different things that the market was starting to grow it's like the smartphone started to come mm-hmm. and and then they were so expensive at the time and not everyone could afford a new phone. So then the market started to change where pre-owned phones started to become a thing and people were going to buy a pre-owned iPhone or a pre-owned Samsung, etc. So we started testing that out. That was maybe like two to three years in. And it was like going from 100% new to like 90% new to 80% and so on and so forth. So as time went on, we were we were changing with 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 how the market was going and we were riding that wave and because we were there first no one else was there was nobody to compete with us and that that definitely had a huge huge benefit of getting there first and riding mm-hmm. that wave of the smartphone so yeah that was it we we went with the the pre-owned then and as time went on we just integrated it more and more and more and more can you talk a little bit more about the branding and the superior customer experience? The reason why, so I think you, so you mentioned a few times that that's something that you guys, you, you feel like you guys were pretty good at and that you personally are pretty good at building a, a brand. And the reason why that's interesting is because, so I think, you, you know, obviously, as you said, you were riding the wave, right? So the smartphones were just starting and you guys were just there at the right place at the right time. And you were able to jump on that trend. Right. Um, but competing against the big uh, global corporations or like the, the, the telcos, right? It's, uh, you need something, you need an edge. You need something that's going to make you different. It's going to make you better. And you mentioned branding, but yeah, if you can talk a little bit more about it, because I think it's interesting to hear some specifics there. Yeah, with branding, I suppose. And with customer, like the that really better customer support and customer service. Yeah. So with branding was, I would say, consistency across the board. So with our logo, our colors, having all of that right through in everything that we do, our packaging, our bags, um, just having consistency was so important across the board. And then customer service was hearing out every single time a customer had an issue or whatever it was or whatever they were looking for, going that t- going that extra step 
Mm-hmm. Because if you go that extra step, the chances are that customer is going to come back to you because you did that little bit extra for them. Because it's my own company, I am able to do that because I, I care that much. And um, it's it's hard for larger companies to do that because not everyone has the same love for it. Now, don't get me wrong. There is definitely people out there who do work in their jobs and do have that love. But me showing up every single day, I was able to have that every single time with every single customer. Mm. It reminds me, I'll never forget when I was talking to PJ, our mutual friend, right? So PJ was on yeah. the podcast as well a few episodes ago um, from he's running Judge Me, right? He's the founder of Judge Me. And he he was telling me that in the first few years, I think, when you know it was just him and his co-founder and a very small team. And he also always believed that exceptional customer um customer experience is going to be their edge or part of their edge and he would wake up in the middle of the night when they received like a bad a negative review or if they received a complaint he would wake up in the middle of the night just to respond to that as soon as possible to provide really that exceptional customer experience and uh, well i mean it worked for him it worked <laughs> for you as well yeah for sure like Anytime someone was unhappy, I would always hear them out and always give the benefit of the doubt, regardless. Like if, if it's a decision that you can't really determine, well, like I'm like, okay, just give them the benefit of the doubt because the chances are that they will come back again. And it's mm. worth having that customer and not making money or even losing money on that sale than not having them at all. So that was kind mm. of the mentality that I applied. And with the reviews, yeah, I was always on the reviews, always, you know, it's 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 probably, I don't like saying this, impossible, but it is very, very challenging to have a 100% customer satisfaction. But that didn't mean that I would always strive towards that. And there's just mm. some people that you're just, you're not going to be able to please, you know, but it's always having the attitude of you will try. And I think if you can apply that attitude to everything you do with every single customer, then the chances are that you're going to have a successful business because your customer feedback is the most important part of your business. Mm-hmm. All right. And so then, so you guys opened, was it three shops in total? So, right? Yeah, we opened three and then we opened two more just before the pandemic. And then we ended up closing them two down. Then it just was not good timing. And it was lessons learned. And so we still have the three stores at the moment. Yeah. Cool. And okay, so the business was growing consistently. Were there any were there any things that were like a major unlock for your business or like a major growth moment? Or was it just a consistent, you know, just little by little, store by store, e-commerce slowly growing? Yeah, I think definitely taking yourself from working in the business to working on the business. So like if you if if there's a circle, if you're working in the business, it's going to be very challenging for that circle to get any bigger. But when you step outside the circle and you start working on the business, then you can start to, you know, grow that circle. And that circle can be locations. It can be team members, revenue, whatever it is. But and getting good people in behind you who are able to do the roles that, you know, that you've been doing, ensuring that the systems are in place, procedures, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that was definitely 
that was a growth point for me too, was, right, okay, I need to get systems in place if I want to expand and I want to grow and developing that for the the managers to come in. And then we also moved to an office, which was very much needed at the time because we're handling like so many phones on a daily basis. And we were like working in this tiny, tiny room. Like, so we had our store in Galway and then above that two floors up, we had like, we converted, we had three storerooms and we'd converted one of them to an office and there was no, there was no, there was no windows or nothing. Like it was, it was so tight, but we were all working in there and there was like maybe 10 of us in there. We had technicians we had, so that was kind of like our first head office. Um, no ventilation was like not healthy, <laughs> but it was like the best that we could do. We made it work, you know, it was perfect. Mm. Um, we had all our shelving up, we had all our devices. Um, we were very much like saving money all the time, which was like, we even had an ice cream shop across from us. So we would get their used ice cream buckets so that we could stack all of our phones inside them, <laughs> you know, just trying to save money where we could compromising where we could and um we there was shelving already there so it's, it's kind of like using the resources that you have and are available mm. to you so that was that but then that just got it got to got it definitely got too crammed so we then moved to a location just outside the city and we were able to put a proper storeroom and have like a safe for all the phones secured locked away and then have an office etc and and then manage our online store more efficiently as well. Mm-hmm. And with our team then for market and et cetera, et cetera. So that was probably around maybe 2015, 2016, I think. So maybe five years into the business. And then things just went up again. You know, it just started getting busier and busier and busier because we were able to manage more effectively and work mm-hmm. better with the team. Yeah, we're, that's something I hear often working on the business, not in the business, right? Because it's easy. Well, firstly, as you said, also, it's kind of a mindset shift and you need to learn different skills and to remove yourself from those day-to-day details and really focus on growing the business and the strategy instead of, you know, being involved in every little detail and in every single part of the of the business. There, there's another story that I remembered now as you were talking about this, you know, humble beginning. Not just, no, actually... I shouldn't say humble beginnings, but trying to save money and trying to be, um, yeah, just smart with how you're spending. Uh, the story of Craigslist is very interesting, right? So Craigslist is, uh, it's like, uh, how do you call that? The classified ads website um, that's probably 20 plus years old. I think they're global, but they're mostly popular in the US. And that business does hundreds of millions in revenue. I think if they're not even at close to a billion in revenue, they have a team of 50-ish people. Uh, For a very long time, they were in this shitty small office where like, I I remember correctly, they, they had like desks made out of, they're not even like proper desks, right? They're like desks made out of something else. And they're just like really, really trying to uh, save as much money as possible. It's not because they're not profitable. They're crazy profitable. But I think that was kind of their objective. They're like, well, we don't really need more. And so why would we spend more if we don't need it? And I think it's, I mean, in the beginning, even more so, right? It's like, well, a flashy office maybe 
is like good for your ego and it looks nice. But uh, if you are like wasting a lot of money around the business, I think that's kind of the impression that you create also for all your employees, right? It's like, well, you know, are we trying to like save and just focus on profitability and reinvesting into the actual business? Uh, or are we going to be spending on things that at the end of the day don't necessarily make a difference, right? And yeah, I think Craigslist is a fantastic example of that. Yeah. And when you're talking about that, it reminds me of Amazon too, Jeff Bezos in yes. his office. Like, yeah. He just has a spray sign, yeah. you know? Yeah. There's a so, famous photo, right? Yes. Yes. So I think it's very important to never lose that ever mm. because you can get caught up with making more money and then wanting to spend and then it definitely can be an ego factor for sure. So it's just kind of separating that and realizing, well, does it benefit or does it not, you know? Yep. Okay. So, and then, so, yeah, sorry, were you going to say something else? No, no, that, that, that was it. Like, and um, so we, like my partner at the time, so he definitely brought a lot more experience and he was able to, share some of that with me which i learned from him as well you know so like staying mm -hmm. humble with what you have mm -hmm. cool okay so then we're in like 2020 or so um just before the pandemic started how big was the business at that point so um that was just before the pandemic i think we had a team of like 50 over across the stores and like the revenue that you mentioned, which is just revenue. Um, that was kind of like where the business was, we were just thriving at that time. And um, we had really good people, like excellent people working with us. I have to say, um, just want to say thank you guys. If any of you listening, but like we really did grow with a great team and allowed us to elevate to that level. And um, the pandemic hit and yeah, it was just a, a huge shift in terms of management, because all the stores were closed, but our online store, it boomed. I think mm -hmm. everywhere across the world boomed at that time. So it was an interesting phase. Um, and at that stage then, I just had taken a back seat. So just as the pandemic had started, um, because I felt like a change. So talk a little bit more about that. I think in some ways, that's really fascinating, right? Um, a lot of people dream about starting a million dollar business or million pound, million, million euro, whatever. Um, I think when you actually do that, a million is like a number that's, for some reason, it's uh, it's the goal for many people, right? I think in, in often you realize, actually, I wonder what you think about this, but I think when you actually have a business like yours and you have a lot of expense, you need to buy the stock and you, and you have employees and you need to pay for advertising, a million in revenue is not even necessarily a lot. After, after all the expenses, <laughs> after all the expenses, the profit that's left there for, for you or for the founders, it's, we're not talking about very large numbers. It's not something that's going to make you really wealthy, right? Um, but I guess that that's one milestone. And the next milestone is like 10 million in revenue, which is already more, um, sort of ambitious and, you know, you reach that kind of number as well. And then, and then you said, well, now I'll like take a back seat and focus on other things. And 
I do think that that's like the dream for a lot of founders. Like, well, I want to build something. And I think a lot of us are kind of also driven by just achievement, right? It's like you want to achieve something. You want to create something. um, And you do that. And then you're like, well, okay, but now I want to maybe focus on something else. Um, And if you can talk a little bit more about that, but also if you're able to share a little bit about the, you know, how, what, what was the kind of deal that you then made in the business with your co-founder? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I definitely, like, before I, like I hit the milestones, they, they're like, whoa, you know, but then when you hit them, you're like, they're, it's all, it all comes down to profit. Like, and revenue yeah. really isn't that big of a deal because you could have that much revenue, have zero profit, you know? So yeah. I, you kind of, you, you put that backside, but also I got to stage. It was like, I just felt the need for a change. Um, I, I had someone who was working with me and doing an excellent job, could do everything that I could do. There were systems in place and my heart wasn't in it anymore. It was just like, why am I doing this? It was just the same. And I also just wasn't feeling good. You know, it's just like, I have kind of, I have enough money, but I, w- I wasn't enjoying it. And, th- and then the weekends, was, I just wanted to look forward to the weekends to go out. That's all I wanted to do. During the week, I wasn't enjoying what I was doing. Um, it was like an existential crisis. Like, what is what is life? Like, what is this all about? And, um, yeah, I just, I just needed that change. So I made the decision to take a step back from what I was doing, made an agreement with my co-partner and said, I'm going to, you know, head off, going to look at other things. The agreement we made is we're still 50, 50 owners. And then because he's managing the company, then there's more share his way. So we came to a fair agreement that we're both happy with and still have a great business relationship and still talk, you know, every week because I still have an interest in the business, but, um, you know, I've let him fully manage and, you know, he's been doing an excellent job since I've left. So that's kind of what happened in that transition from building it from when I was that age, 20 or so to like 30, but also realizing how much do I actually need? Why am I doing this? Um, and yeah, it, it just sent me off in a, in a different path and asking more questions. And but very fortunate and grateful for what I got out of that experience, and you know, definitely given me a sense of security in life that um, going forward into the future, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so well, that that was also the moment when you moved to, over to London, right? That's right, yeah. So it was the pandemic. Ireland was shut down and Ireland was so much stricter than the UK. And I seen that UK was still getting open. I was like, well, okay, maybe I'll go over there and just see what it's like and, you know, try a few different things and went over there, went like tried out a coding course just to try and get it, see if I had an interest in um, software development, etc. And uh with a few other ideas as well. And it was fun. I met you in Startup Home. And Startup Home was a great place. 
a great place. Startup home is interesting. Yeah. So I'm not sure if I ever talked about it here on the podcast, but it's like, well, for everyone who's listening. So it's like this place that unfortunately now doesn't exist anymore as far as I know, but it was this house in London with 10 people living together. So it was like a big house, 10 rooms, a lot of, uh, a bunch of bathrooms and kitchens and like a big rooftop terrace. So it was like pretty big, pretty spacious. Um, shockingly spacious, shockingly quiet, I would say, considering how many people there were there. Because if you think about it now, it's like, oh my God, 10 people living together. It sounds like a mess, but it really wasn't a mess. <laughs> it was really cool. <laughs> It was and, cool. Yeah, everyone was a startup, right? So everyone either had their own business or they worked for a startup or they at least had a pretty strong interest to start a business. Um, and it was cool. It was great. So, I mean, some of my best friends in London now are, I, I met them in Startup Home, right? So, and yeah, including yes. you and PJ, who was in the podcast and who's sponsoring the podcast now and including a bunch of others. Um, and I think it was such a cool concept because, man, you were just constantly surrounded by like-minded people. And we always, like, I remember when I was hanging out with my friends who are not from the business space, I think they often get a little bit annoyed about me because I'm like, well, business is the only thing that I want to talk about, right? Yeah, life as well. You know, sometimes we get very philosophical about <laughs> life and psychology and all that. But for the most part, I don't know, like business is what interests me. And a lot of my life is around that. And it's, it's work and business. And those are the kind of topics, right? And at Startup Home, well, that was just a normal subject of conversations all the time. If it was like Sunday, 9 a.m. or... Friday, 3 a.m. before we went to bed, you know, you could always have an interesting conversation with some like-minded individuals. And I do actually think that that's a large part of what life is all about. Just be around people who are interesting and I guess fun to hang out with and people who also push you forward, right? P people who are like ambitious, if that's what you want in life. I guess not necessarily everyone wants to, uh, that, but it's just the, the, that sense of community and people who are, who you can also learn from and support each other and so on. So I thought it was, uh, was wonderful. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought it was great because it's good to be in a space where people are sharing similar yeah. goals so like some people are just not interested in business and they're just not, you can love each other, but just not truly understand each other because you don't have the same goals. So being in that space and surrounded like by the likes of you and everyone else is exploring different ideas, it, it helps motivate you too. And you can, if it you does. have a challenge, you can come and talk about it in a group, whatever. And uh, yeah, it was fun. It, it was great, man. It was, I was very grateful for that experience. Yeah. And the time that um, I lived there, it was Likewise. great. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing a few years from now, what else comes from the Startup Home alumni network. Because, I mean, obviously, obviously <laughs> you know, we had PJ, who has a like massively successful business. Um, we had Fred, who's, you know, building robots. And I think, I think there's still a yes. huge potential with his business as well. Uh, we had... David, who I'm not sure if you've met David, but he built no, I didn't meet like David. Calendar scheduling slash chatting app, which I'm not entirely sure how it's doing right now, but um, I know it had some good potential as well. Uh, well, I had Al, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of people who are building something. So, yeah, 
looking forward to seeing what else comes out of it. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, I haven't spoke to Peter in a little while, but yeah, it's great to see um, how he has evolved from that time to now. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah, a lot of things started there. Um, cool. Where should we? So, okay. So let's talk about more the the recent. Uh, recent so i know that you're okay one thing that you're interested in is also property right so that, that's one of the things that you're doing right now yeah so in the last few years i i invested in property before i came to london and um yeah it's 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 been interesting um i i come from a background like who does some investment in that. So I always had an interest in doing that. And um, I bought a few properties and then started Airbnb last year. And then that kind of led on to the government then looking for property for refugees. So in the last few months then, I took the properties from Airbnb I like just took them offline and then started to enroll in the government with um, the refugee program. So that has been an interesting experience because as much as it's business, you're also helping people who are coming from war, like coming from places where they don't even have a home, you know? So like that is fulfilling in a sense. It's it's not just business. It's like you're actually helping people. And, and that's kind of where life has brought me in the last, you know, few years. Um, I think having a kid as well, that was a huge factor. I think just a huge wake-up call. It's like, whoa. So probably more in touch with my feelings in a sense, you know. And, um, yeah, so that's been nice. So we have taken in – like around a hundred at the moment, a hundred refugees between um, a few different locations. So working through the government and um, I don't know how long they will be here or what the process is, but for now they're taken in on a, a contract basis with the government. And then we, it's, it's our responsibility to ensure that, you know, all their needs are met. So just ensure that they're living in a comfortable environment that they have whatever needs be a doctor school they have to go to the hospital like yesterday for example um a girl student she broke her leg so it's like it's our responsibility to ensure that that they're brought to hospital etc so there's a lot of responsibility comes with it it's 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 um mm -hmm. it's busy so um but we have a good team here with us. Wow. fascinating so so property is another <laughs> property is another thing that you and I always had a different opinion about, right? To to an extent. So obviously you come yeah. from a, um, as you said, a background where your family has some properties, uh, and now you're involved with that as well. I was always like, oh no, man, sounds like such a such a headache. Like and all those <laughs> all those physical properties that you need to <laughs> you need to own. I'll, yeah. I'll, I think I'll get into property <laughs> when metaverse becomes a bigger thing. You know. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds like more my my kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It, it definitely can be busy. Um, but like, I think it's just what you're what you're willing to 
to work with. And there's a part of me that actually enjoys it as well. So like that, that is, if, if I'm enjoying it, then I'm happy to do it. You know, I've also looked at, you know, stocks and investing stuff, but I just don't know if it's something that, that I want to do on a daily basis kind of thing, you know, in terms of investing and stuff. And, and you know what, for me as well, it's like, how much do I actually need? I am content with what I have right now. And that for me is nearly like, if, if everything stays afloat, which is cool, then, you know, I see it kind of as a long-term um, mm-hmm. investment where I'm secure no matter what I do. And it's like, for me, it's really coming back to what is it that I can do to, to help people help mm-hmm. humanity, you know, um, which I think we've discussed before. It's like, for me, it's kind of doing a full circle and it's like, I, I genuinely, I genuinely think that there can be more love in the world. And that has kind of led me down the road of, you know, kind of mentoring and coaching, helping people work through their own challenges because there's so many people out there who are doing so well in business, but then are also disconnected from themselves. And it's like me working with them people, which which is what I'm doing as well. That is them understanding themselves more because I'm working on myself and understanding myself to a bigger depth. Then I'm able to share that with others and then they're able to go on and apply that to themselves and then their business. Cause like business and personal life, they're not separate. Everything mm-hmm. is one despite people thinking they're different, but they're not. It's you are always, everything is anything that you do is personal. So it's so important for people to show up for themselves so that they can show up in everything they do. And it's working with that. And that's, that's been enjoyable, you know, shining light onto things and people that, you know, maybe don't see themselves and just, you know, creating more self-awareness is what I should say. So that's an interesting topic as well. So you mentioned, you know, being more self-aware. I think, I don't remember what exactly was, did you use the phrase like being more in touch with your emotions maybe? And I think sometimes in yeah. business, it's really useful if you're not in touch with your emotions, <laughs> because uh, it's. And I mean, I mean, there are examples of that, right? Um, sometimes it's really hard, right? And sometimes a customer is going to be really upset at you, inevitably. Like you're going to mess something up, or someone's going to misunderstand something, or you know, an employee is going to be upset at you or like you make mistakes, right? And it's really hard. And I've, I I had to learn sometimes to detach myself from that because you can't, when that's happening, you can't be like, oh my God, this is like so sad. Like, no, you just need to like think clearly and be like, okay, we we need to move on, right? I need to solve this problem and I cannot be too emotional about it because I need to move on. Um, Or like we need to solve the problem and like the business needs to keep running. And maybe that one particular thing that feels very emotional right now is not as bad as as it feels like. Um, So in a way, sometimes being too in touch with your emotions almost feels like bad for the business. I wonder how you think about it. Do you think at this point you kind of disagree with that? Or I'm just curious, what are your thoughts? I think when I reflect on my time in business, I think if 
I was more in touch with my emotions that I could have, I could have shared that with others in a sense, you know, not that I was not in touch, but I, the more I understand myself, the more I understand others. And then the fact that I'm able to understand others even more then I feel that you can build a stronger team because you're understanding them even more because some, you know, it like through the, experience in phone company phones i learned that like not everyone everyone no two people see the same no matter what and you know sometimes we can get caught up in our own perception and that is the only perception but it's not and there's a million different ways of looking at one situation and it's always about coming together with your perceptions and understanding each other so i feel like going back now i I think that that would have been more beneficial and to myself as well with everything that I did, you know, but, but that's, I, it's not that I regret. It's just, it's just reflecting on my time. And, you know, I'm sure in another 10 years time, I'll reflect on these next 10 years and, you know, constantly evolve, you know? So, yeah, I think if, if humans as if we can work on ourselves as much as we can at a younger age, like from a teenager, and understand ourselves deeply, our emotions, the way our plier, we apply ourselves going forward into whatever job, career, business you start, that the more work you do on yourself and understand yourself, the better you will really apply yourself in whatever it is that you want to do. You know, establishing your values, your boundaries, your passions, and really being fulfilled in whatever it is that you want to do. It's interesting. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I agree. Uh, certainly, when it comes to understanding people and understanding their point of view, and because I mean, obviously, you're also not always right, right? And sometimes, you know, obviously, the customer is right, or the employee is right, very often, probably. Uh, so it's important to understand that. Um, and I guess there's a there's a kind of a skill, maybe not in not feeling your emotions, but in just seeing things for what they really are, right? Because, man, I remember when some, I mentioned um, like a customer being upset before, right? I remember the first, on any business or anything that I tried, man, we got when we got the first kind of customer complaint, I was like, oh my God, we're doing everything wrong. This is like, this is so shit. I need to rethink everything. But it's not, but for, for that one customer who complained, you got like a hundred customers who are really happy, that, I mean, probably many of them were like mm-hmm. quiet about it. And a few of them, they actually told you that it was really good. But it's like that one customer who like messes up your day. Um, but it, yeah, I guess there's a skill in just uh, seeing things for what they really are. Well, just one. And yeah, inevitably you make mistakes. So, you, you know, you shouldn't let that um, affect you too much. Yeah. When you're talking about that, I'm thinking of like, when I was working in the in the store, the retail store, as you know, our mobile phones are literally, it's a third arm or it's a limit at the stage. Like we're so dependent on it. So when customers came in and their phone wasn't working, they were angry. Mm-hmm. Like they were so, so, so angry. And you, that was one of the biggest learning experiences for me is like I needed to understand that I wasn't the problem and it was like a flat tire or a tire. First of all, they come in and it's full of air and you just let them say and say and say and say and say until there's nothing left in that tire and it's flat and they've said everything and just literally just stand there and let the breeze, you know, 
blow past you and not take it on board. That was probably one of the biggest learning experiences for me is to not take on other mm-hmm. people's mm-hmm. problems because although they were coming in with the problem with the phone, they were probably coming in with other issues that was going on at home, whether it be relationship, family, money, whatever it is, you know, and I didn't realize that at the time, but, you know, if I don't think we should ever take our anger out on other people. And some people don't understand that. And and that was what I experienced a lot of. And I even had a guy attack me one time because he couldn't translate what he had to say, different language. And his wife was there and she was trying to translate. And then he just attacked me. And then we ended up like getting into like a fight, a somewhat scuffle in the shop. And uh, yeah, and then... The ne- so that, that this is happening because he had been like roaring in the shop for like 10, 15 minutes and then he came back a half an hour later and still and then it had gathered a crowd outside the shop and there was like all these students recorded on the phone and then when I got home the next day one of the students next door to me goes Ryan, were you fighting in the shop? And I was like, how'd you know that? And he goes, because I saw a video I was like, oh Christ <laughs> Do you know, so like but uh, you just have to see the funny side of yeah. things too, yeah. you know, which every side has a funny side. Every story has a it funny does. side. Well, especially when so, you look back on it after a while. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Maybe for immediately sure. after it's not necessarily so obvious. And this, so this is an, an interesting no. topic that I actually think about quite a bit, which is, um, so there's, there's this quote that I heard a while ago by, I don't know who, but <laughs> somebody said that, uh, Business is the best vehicle for personal growth. And I'm curious, actually, I don't know if you and I ever talked about that. I'm curious how you think about it, because I really believe that. I think I, I think that business is hard, and I think that life is full of challenges. I don't want to say hard, but full of challenges. And I think to, you know, to overcome those challenges, you need to build certain skills and a thick skin and, you know, certain personality, if you want to kind of navigate that in a more or less smooth way. And I do think that business gives you a lot of skills or starting a business because it's, I mean, it's, it's also full of challenges and not that a job isn't, but I do think that starting a business is generally more difficult and that you need to develop all sorts of different skills, especially in the beginning, right? You're kind of alone for everything and you need to, you know, be creative and you need to think on the spot and you need to solve problems all the freaking time. And I think there are a lot, a lot of life lessons in there. And it's certainly for me, part of the motivation to do what I do and to be involved in business. Cause it's, um, I think it's just growth. I, I think I just, I feel like I grow as a person through that. Yeah, I, I can definitely, but I can only speak from my experience, but business for me has been transformational. It's like when I look back at the time that I started, because I was a shy kid. Like I was, I definitely was shy. I would say I'm an extroverted introvert. I don't know if other people think that or not, but I, I see myself as that. And the first day on that shop floor, like I didn't even have the courage or the confidence to go speak mm. to a customer. I was like so, so, so nervous of like, having to serve a customer like I was petrified but like 
even that in itself was like it brought me out of my shell and I, I had to I had to make the first approach to that customer. I had to say hello, you know, and I had to try and mm-hmm. sell, you know, as well as build a relationship. So it taught me so much about communication, being able to communicate effectively and also how to listen, to listen to people about their challenges or just even if they just want to talk, you know. So and as we all know, communication I think is the number one skill mm-hmm. that we need in life for business because if you can have a great idea a great business but if you can't communicate it effectively then it's nothing yeah yeah communication definitely one of them um it's interesting is there anything else that you think we should talk about I, i think we've covered pretty much your story um and quite a few other interesting subjects Um, maybe, so I have one more question and then if you think there's anything else you want to talk about, we can also open any other subject. Um, yeah. is there, would you highlight any one book or person or, um, thing that influenced you the most, that influenced the most your career, let's say business. Business. I think for me growing up, I always admired Richard Branson. Yeah. So he was like one of the first books I read too. And I didn't read, start reading books till I was like mid twenties, but I always looked up to him because he, he just, he just seemed to achieve like so much so fast. And even a story, I don't know if you've read or not, like, but like he ended up in jail too, because he was, trying to like use the rules to his advantage where he was like going across to the to the mainland Europe buying CDs and then not getting the tax back or whatever and then selling them on in the stores. And he was doing the same thing, advertising the discs online and selling them before they even he got like he was getting the payment before like postal order at the time, you know. So like I I seen similarities in a sense. And um he's just an amazing guy. I think he's got a great energy mm-hmm. about him and For me, uh, he definitely was someone that um that I took a huge interest in. And I think if anyone out there is like looking to start a business, I would definitely recommend this book. Um, I think it's Losing My Virginity. Yeah, yeah. I think he might even have a few yeah. of them, but I think that's his main was his autobiography or so. That's the first one. Yeah. He, he's yeah. good also at just living this kind of rock star lifestyle, right? <laughs> yeah. And and he seems to be loved yeah. too. Yeah, like obviously he is very um, considerate and caring. And uh, I know there's other people out there in the business world who are you know building world leading companies. And not everyone would have nice things to say, but Richard Branson just seems to do no wrong, you know, in everything he does, and seems to be very just an all round nice, down to earth yeah. guy, despite all his success. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, success yeah, is what we make a, of it. He's a good one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Cool. Did you want to talk about anything else? Do we wrap up at this point? I don't know. Up to well, you, man. Maybe we'll... <laughs> um, I'm enjoying the conversation. That, that is good. Maybe we'll do part two at some point. Um, whatever is going to be the yeah. next chapter, right? I'm genuinely really, really looking forward to whatever, whatever is coming up. Um, I have no doubt that it's going to be something interesting. So. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Take, taking my time and 
I would say like trying to live in the present moment more, more and more every day, um, as opposed to, you know, living in the future of like, I want to do this. I want to do that. Cause I think a lot of younger people are always looking to that. It's like, I want to be there instead of just being present and enjoying every single day and every single step of the way and just, and just being as opposed to, you know, thinking too much, you know? And I think when we do that, that is how we apply ourselves better being in that state Mm -hmm. of flow and um, being able to work through every single goal, every single step, one step at a time, as opposed to 10 at a time, you know, mic drop, got nothing else to add. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan, thanks for coming on. Finally, really appreciate it. Man, it's been an absolute pleasure. Take care. Thanks for listening until the end. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like the content, please do me a favor and click the like button on YouTube or give us five stars on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts. Uh, Leave a comment, subscribe if you want to hear more from us. Uh, That really helps also to get the podcast out there and that helps me get more interesting guests and create even more interesting content. So I really appreciate it if you do that. If you have any other comments, questions, feel free to message me. You can find me on Twitter. That's usually the best channel. Um, the link should be somewhere in the description and uh, yeah check out my Twitter I try to tweet interesting stuff about similar content that we talk about on the podcast Um, key insights from the podcast as well and just generally stuff that I learn and stuff that I do so see you thanks